Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating and tell a friend Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a program that you watch on the internet that sometimes you'll tell your friends about. My name is Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook or listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She is the Duchess of the Dorks. She is Ashley Pickle. Hello, Ashley Pickle. Howdy. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah? How are you? Well, you know, chugging along. We're 10 days away from sitting to press, and we're 17 days away from revealing the magazine cover. So I know. I'm starting to excited. get real excited about the cover reveal. I'm like the, very excited. Do you feel the juices kind of building up there? I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> geeked up. I'm pretty geeked up. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Today is Tuesday, May 18th, 2020, 191 days till Thanksgiving. Episode 1,168, 1,168. This is the Ned Yost episode. Ned Yost played for the Rangers in 1984. And then, Pickle, Mm -hmm. in 2016, I want to say. Is that right? There are Royals fans here screaming at me. 2015. He won the World Series as the manager of the Ah, yes. Is he kin to David Yost? There's no chance. (laughs) No chance. The the the, uh, the former no, Texas Tech. There's no way because I have cousins whose last name is Yost, and it's okay. like uh, I think it's I, I think it's a much just, more common name. Or all, I mean, we're all we're all related in the in in under the you know under the the eyes of God. You know what I mean? We're all just we're all family. This is a uh, sweet baby Jesus podcast. Now we transition from city planning to baby Jesus talk. On today's show, friends, um, I've got a weird thought. About college football realignment that was inspired by another podcast that I listened to. So we're just going to we're gonna riff on that for a little bit. On the heels of Sam Houston winning the FCS National Championship, I will ask the question, are we missing a tier of college football? We'll talk about Let that. Let that sink in for a second. Kick that around a little bit. And then back <laughs> half of the show, uh, we're continuing our series of State of the Program addresses. Uh, and we will hear from Billy Embody. He is the uh, proprietor, writer, editor, owner, uh, Grand Poobah over at PonyStampede.com. Talk some SMU. He's on the podcast. Yeah. What did I say? 
I think it's from what I saw, he's at twenty four seven sports and then the Pony Stampede podcast. Yeah, I think he also writes for the PonyStampede.com. Oh, nice. So okay. there you go. PonyStampede.com. Um I'm sure they have a podcast. I'm sure it's great. I have not listened to it. I'm sorry, Billy. Uh, but we will. Uh, but photosfanpeed.com, Billy and Buddy is going to come on. We're going to talk some SMU football coming up here in just a little bit, if you stick with us. Do we have first four through the door? We sure do. Do we have, do we have uh, tenses are important. <laughs> we sure do. It was Daniel Agnew, Rob Hadaway, Coach Terry Crawford, and Tanner Solis. Ooh, Welcome okay. in, fellas. Coach Terry Crawford's in the building. I should probably try. Okay. A lot of pressure out there from Abbott, Texas. All right. So this is the land of champions, okay? Sam Houston is the uh, latest and greatest uh, national champion here in the state of Texas. Yeehaw, go Bearcats. They won the FCS National Championship on Sunday, uh, defeating South Dakota State in a thriller. Talked all about it yesterday with Shahan J. Roger, who is there. And coming off of their win... And coming off of how really impressive that program has been for a long time, mm-hmm. um, one thing that I I couldn't I, I went back to a podcast that I listened to last week. It's it's by the gentleman the the folks at Split Zone Duo. Split Zone mm-hmm. Duo is an excellent college football podcast. Uh, Alex Kirshner, Richard Johnson, um, and uh, Stephen Godfrey, uh, our buddy, uh, do that podcast, and it's an excellent podcast, worth your time, and. One thing that they kicked around, because they were talking a little bit about the going into the game, South Dakota State and, and Sam Houston, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how these are two programs that really feel like they are on they are, they are of different mindsets. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that they described it is that South Dakota State has kind of carved out a niche for themselves. They know what they are. Mm-hmm. They are an FCS powerhouse. They want to contend for the FCS national title. They want to beat North Dakota State. And they are happy right there. With that being their ceiling. Right there. Their lot in life is we are an FCS powerhouse. That's us. Sam Houston has always been a striver. They've always been what is the next rung? What is the next thing that we can do? How can we grow how can we build? You can just take a look at how they've made uh, their leap from, you know, in, ni- from in, in 1983, they were in the NAIA. They're still in the NAIA. Uh, 1984, they moved up to FCS, to the Gulf Star Conference. Right. Then they moved on to the Southland Conference, and now they're moving on to the, the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference. Now, I don't know what the future holds for the WAC. I don't know. But if you remember, that is a former FBS conference. Yes, that is being reconstituted as an FCS conference, mm-hmm. is what it is. And it got me thinking about some of, and, and, and they made the point on Split Zone Duo that all anybody wants to do is have something to strive for, have something to get excited about, have something to reach for. Mm-hmm. And Sam Houston, obviously, as national champions, they have that. But they are also a program that, it, over the course of their history, they have they have wanted to grow and wanted to build. Right. I'm not here to suggest that they're going to make the leap to FBS. Mm-mm. What I am here to suggest, though, is I wonder if there is a tier of college football that we are missing. Here's what I mean by that: <clears throat> How many teams, realistically? Let's let's be let's be honest with each other and talk about the college football in a real, like 
bare bones, no pretense way. Okay. How many teams have a chance of winning the national championship next year in co- in FBS college football? Have Maybe a legitimate shot. Five or six. I would to say be honest. With I would you? say I would say if you want to get generous, there's seven. there's there's seven or eight. Yeah. If you want to get generous, there's right. seven or eight teams that can win an FBS national and championship. And that's being that is year. being generous to be honest right. with you. And those are the teams that you're thinking of, right? Alabama, Alabama Clemson, Clemson, Ohio, Ohio State, State. <laughs> Oklahoma. Those teams, right? They can win. Those. Yeah, you'll have a, a surprise here and there. Like maybe mm-hmm. we were Washington was in the, the national the, the, the playoff one year. Uh, things like Notre Dame is in that mix. Yeah. But overall, there is this tier up here at the very top. That is elite. That is that they are they are they are eligible and can win the national championship, mm-hmm. basically. Because there's other teams that I think we're learning in the playoff system as it exists right now. Mm-hmm are functionally ineligible for the national championship. Yeah, like a, a Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina. Functionally ineligible for the national championship. Mm-hmm. They did everything they needed to to get in the playoff, and they couldn't do it. They were undefeated. Yep. They're functionally ineligible. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, we can talk a little bit about, first of all, I think that the group of five, power five dynamic, I, I reject kind of it outright, but it, 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 it does matter, obviously, to the people that make the decisions, mm-hmm. like the committee. That, like, for example, if Houston goes undefeated this year, I don't see, like, unless there's four other undefeated teams in power conferences, I don't see a reason that they should be left out of the playoff. And yet... They will be. If there's only four teams in the playoffs... They almost certainly would be. Group of five is not getting in. They're never going to get in. They're not going to get in. They're not going to get in. Like, we need to be honest with ourselves about what... About the, the way that things yeah, are set up. And people get upset every single year, but it, that's That's the reality of the situation. Like, <laughs> I think it stinks, yes. but it's the reality of the situation. And, and so here is my question. Let's take a program like, and they use this example on, um, on Split Zone Duo, so I'll just crib off of it. Let's take a program like Louisiana Monroe, mm-hmm. the Warhawks. Who does Louisiana Monroe have more in common with? Their football program. Mm-hmm. Do they have more in common with Alabama? Or do they have more in common with Sam Houston? Sam Houston by a... Don't even have to think about it, Stretch. By a <laughs> large margin. Mm-hmm. By a large margin, okay? that yet And yet, Louisiana Monroe and Alabama are competing in the same league. Mm-hmm. Right? My question is, is there a tier that we're missing? Is there a tier of teams that, you know, they look at like the, the FBS. Let's, let's be honest. You take a look at, at, at Sam Houston State, or mm-hmm. Sam Houston. Take a look at North Dakota State and, and South Dakota State. And they are just, there's a lot better than a lot of these teams. Right. There's a lot better, right? A lot better than a lot of the FCS teams. In the same way that Alabama is a lot better than Louisiana Monroe. Right. Right. So my question is, is there a tier that we're missing wherein you have these, let's call them group of five schools, mm-hmm. right? Not all of them, but some of them. Some of the group of five schools who take the football about as seriously as a team like Sam Houston okay, and stuff like that, that we can find that middle ground and that middle tier that would that you could find another way of of, of contending because you know there, there's people there's always rumors about the the power five breaking off from the NCAA and creating their own league. Mm-hmm. I think that I have a lot of thoughts on the NCAA. I'll save that for another show. But my point is 
that wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing as long as I think the teams that want to compete up there compete up there. Because the thing that's keeping them up there right now is is money. It's it's mm-hmm. it's TV money and it's oh, yeah. and, and they absolutely and that you know that it that's that's what basically keeping keeping them together. That's what keeping the Mac in FBS and stuff like that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's the it's the money. They are not better than the FCS teams, but, but they get to go play the. So F- that's you so, know. So that's my question then: is is there a tier? We we think about college football realignment in a way of like, oh, is uh is remember when Texas was going to go to the Pac-12? Like <laughs> Texas going to go to the Pac-12? Yeah. Right. Here's my thought. What if we rip things up a little bit more and we say, you know what? Let's admit that there is this upper crust of FCS Mm -hmm. and this lower crust of FBS. And what if we found a way to contend there? We were talking yesterday, you and I were talking about soccer. Yes. One of the things I think European soccer does very, very well is promotion. Constant movement. Promotion and relegation, right? The idea that... You are you will land where you can be the most competitive mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, and three teams go up when three teams go down. Because it's... right now, like I think if you plug Sam Houston, this team, now obviously there's different rules with scholarships and things like that, but if you were to plug this Sam Houston team into the Sun Belt, mm-hmm. I, I think they'd do some damage. Yeah. I'm not I'm you not saying can't they, tell me they wouldn't be competitive against I, Texas State. I'm not like, say, I'm not saying they're gonna go out there and they're gonna beat Coastal Carolina, but what I am saying is that I think they'd be competitive. In, in, in most of their Sunbelt games. And so my question is, again, just spitballing, it's May, it's the offseason, whatever. Is there a tier of college football that we're missing? But let me play devil's advocate sure. real fast, just for the sake of argument. If we were to combine the upper echelon, or like the, the good group of five schools per se, and the good FCS schools, and you take it, and put those together and then put the bottom half of the FBS schools with the bottom mm-hmm. half of that, does that still negate the fact that there will most likely be some sort of a gap? It's almost oh, like you need but, the bad FBS schools sure. to go with. Like, if you're going to make another level, you got to put the bad with the good sure, to see. Yeah, you've got it. You've got Vanderbilt. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm just – and that's why, you know, first of all, I, again, I go back to the Power 5 thing, like – I th- but then that Houston, almost just seems Houston like that's is, just group Houston, of five still. Houston is, in my mind, a a power five team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but my thing is, why why are we pretending? Why are we pretending that Louisiana Monroe can win the national championship mm-hmm. when even if they go thirteen and zero and win their and win the Sun Belt? Right. So are you saying more along the lines? Of what I mean, what if you left an FCS rank and then you actually you took it? the split of yeah. group of five yeah. and? Power five and actually made that split. Is yeah. that kind of I think the thought that process I there? think that the, the the splits right now are so harsh and so firm that there does need to be a a cut a needs, hard cut. I think there. there needs to be some sort of and they in get their between. own playoff some sort of in between that yeah. I think that you know I would love to see Sam Houston play against some of these FBS teams because I think they contend mm-hmm. and I think that that would give every team something to strive for that Louisiana Monroe could then go for. A national championship in that regard, and again, the one thing keeping them there is not because they just love football so gush darn much. It's it's, it's mm-hmm. the money aspect, and I don't know. It's it's a really it was something it's like that conference, it was a, conference USA team. It was a good they conversation to compete for um, on Split Zone Duo, which is an excellent podcast that you should listen to. Um, and it, it just got me thinking. Watching Sam Houston win the national championship on on Sunday got me thinking about how you know this is a program that's that's obviously on the rise and takes football extremely seriously, and 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 has always been a striver. Is there another level for them? And, and what does that look like if we are going to blow up the NCAA, which we should. Uh, so, yeah. I like Matthew McSpadden's point. What about a bilineal realignment like the UIL does? I think that's great, I too. love that. 
I love that. I, I think, think that's great too. But the, I mean, the thing again, this is fun thing. to talk about. Right. But like It'll in the end, happen. it's going to come down to contracts, which is just like TV contracts, which is not something we can do. Although, I don't know. I think I think ESPN kind of cuts the, the legs out from underneath their own programming because I think that that they have a lot of FCS content. They they own the rights to the FCS mm-hmm. and they kind of bury it on ESPN Plus. And I'm like, I think that I think that hopefully I haven't seen the ratings, but I hope. That Sam Houston and South Dakota State spiked a big rating right. because I hope people realize. And Bill Connolly's got a great piece on ESPN.com about this, about how I think people realize that, like, if you watch small college football, like, it, it will it will make you a bigger college football fan. It'll make you appreciate even more when you're watching Alabama versus Auburn or something like right. that. You know what I mean? You're watching A and M versus LSU. Like, you'll appreciate it more, uh, b- you know, by watching great small college football as well. Anyway. That's just a thought that I had going through my brain, so I thought we'd do a segment about it. (laughs) We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash DaveCampbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash DaveCampbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Two magazines, a year's worth of exclusive online content at texasfootball.com. If you want the 2021 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football mailed directly to you in your in your mailbox before it hits newsstands, become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. We've also got a lot of other great stuff for insiders, including... Dun, 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 a new episode of Tep and Step, our premium high school football podcast. Step and I recorded it yesterday. Uh, and we talked, we handed out the Steppy Awards. Yes. And <laughs> the Dundies. We handed out, the, we handed out our Dundies. And uh, we also uh, picked our sleepers. People love sleepers. Mm-hmm. So we picked our Texas high school football sleepers for 2021. We're going on record. We each picked four teams that we're really, really big on heading into 2021. So you can check that out at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. New episode of Tep and Step for insiders only. Pickle, let's go to the hotline. We are continuing our series of state of the program uh, addresses by talking with some of the best and brightest minds around the state. We are joined on the phone line now uh, from PonyStampede.com and 24-7. It's Billy Embody. Billy, how are you? Doing well, guys. How are you? Doing excellent. Appreciate your time to come on here and talk a little bit of, of SMU football. Um, I'll, I'll start rather vague, kind of purposefully vague here. From where you sit, what is the state of the program at SMU right now? Yeah, uh, I think it's the, it's on the precipice of being a true conference title contender. We've seen them show some flashes, especially in the 2019 season. They went into that Memphis game undefeated um, and just fell short. You know, a couple bounces here or there, kick return for a touchdown, and they end up going down on that uh, nationally televised game. And they kind of fell off after that, and, and that's kind of been the thing over the last two seasons that has kind of played SMU is finishing the season strong. Um, that 2019 season, they lost to Memphis. Um, they lost to, I believe, Tulsa. Um, uh, or or they, they had another late loss in the season. They end up at the Boca Raton Bowl and, and don't even show up, get off the bus. So this next year in 2020, it was weird. They kind of you know started out well and beat Memphis. They got that monkey off its back. And then they you know played a tough game against Cincinnati that was a lot closer than the final score indicated they just didn't get it done in the red zone in that game and and things fell apart late but i think that's kind of been the thing is that they haven't finished the way they wanted to this year from just talking with sunny dykes talking with players being around the program a lot the thing i see that's a little different is uh the depth 
the depth of this program is standing out to me a lot more. Uh, that's been the issue for them for the most part. And, and finding players that can make stops defensively at key moments, um, they've done it in spurts. And so I think right now they're on the precipice of being a conference title contender, and they just got to get over that hump. You know, one thing, and, and you're, you're a guy who, who's got your finger on the pulse of the recruiting world, you know, uh, really, really tight. Uh, one thing that I think has been really interesting about SMU and the build that they've had over the course of the past couple of years has been um, they've been very, very active in the transfer portal. They've been very active bringing in uh, transfers. Of course, Shane Bouchelle, our cover boy in 2020, uh, transferred from, from Texas. They've been very active there and very successful there. Do you get the feeling that that is a long-term strategy or was that Sonny Dykes and staff... Um, kind of getting the getting the program heading in the right direction and now they'll maybe pivot more towards uh the the high school ranks so it's going to be interesting this year and i think colleges across the country in 2022 recruiting classes are going to take this approach in a way and it's be very selective one you've got uh rosters that now are kind of overloaded in a way with Mm -hmm. those those players with the extra year um Everyone on the roster got an extra year, so planning around all of that uh, is is kind of the toughest thing that these coaches and these player personnel guys have to do. And I think SMU is going to be the same for this cycle. They're going to be selective. Uh, this is the first time that uh, coming June 1 that they'll be able to have really these 2022 guys on campus in well over a year. Um, SMU really likes to know the players they're recruiting well. They want to be verified in their measurements and do all of that stuff. And you know, we haven't had that across the board. And so I think if you take out the 2022 class that they're going to have to be selective on uh, to kind of um, try to uh, not have some of these misses that I think we're going to see nationally, um, they're going to be selective and they're going to have a small class. When they get past this this cycle, I think you're going to see it pick back up. Mm-hmm. And it'll finally be a roster that's all Sunny Dykes players. I think this is the last year that there should be kind of some holdovers here or there, um, especially with the extra year. So I, I think um, I think they're going to get into more of the high school recruiting in a way. But this transfer portal, I mean, this is going to become the norm in college football. SMU just kind of becomes or has become this destination in a way because it's in Dallas. I mean, you can look at a lot of programs that are in big cities um, that are trying to take advantage of it. SMU got on it early. I think it's a good model for the program. There's nothing wrong with somebody bouncing back elsewhere. I mean, if Reggie Robertson's healthy the last few years, there's no way he's coming back for the Mm -hmm. 2021 season. He's in the NFL. Um, So, I mean, those are just, you know, a couple examples. Shane Bouchelle didn't use his extra year. Kylan Granson didn't use his extra year. Even Brandon Stevens didn't use his extra year, and he's only been at corner for two years. So um, this is a program that's taken these bounce backs, um, whether it be transfers or – transfers early in their careers or transfers late in their careers and and they're making them into NFL players too so I think it's working well we're talking with Billy Embody of PonyStampede.com here on the SMU State of the Program address here on Texas Football Today get involved in the conversation hashtag TF Today uh, let's start on the place uh, on, on the side with uh, that, that, that I feel like nobody ever talks about which is the SMU defense well because the offense of course gets gets a lot of attention but but the defense has been you know as good as this program has been in the Sunny Dykes era the defense has been a, a, a problem it's been a bugaboo you know it's been it's kind of held them back in steps Jim Levitt uh, to be a defensive coordinator um, taking over a defense that uh, you know is in need of an overhaul, uh, especially I would say in up, up front and maybe in the secondary. 
Uh, when you take a look at at the personnel that's on hand and with what Jim Levitt's going to do, uh, do you get the feeling that this is a, a unit that can take a step forward in 2021? I do, and uh, I think we've kind of seen the the wheels turning in the right direction under Kevin Kane the last couple of years. I think he did a good job. I think he was poised to have a good uh, defense coming back this year and, and being able to um, finally – kind of put an exclamation point on the transformation that he had been putting in place. Um, but obviously he went up to Illinois, went and worked with one of his best friends, Brett Bielema, and is now associate head coach up there. But I think Jim Levitt, and you look at his track record of taking over defenses, they've improved dramatically uh, under his direction wherever he's really been in that first year. And I do expect SMU to uh, be able to do that. I think it's a, it's a group that, when I look at the defensive line, it's got too deep across the board. They have some guys that probably fit a little differently than they might want, but they're athletic. They've got some strength. Um, they need a pass rusher. Linebacker, because of that extra year of eligibility, has a lot of guys with experience, a lot of different players. They move Kiki Burns, a former two-way standout for Pittsburgh, and a four-star recruit over to uh, defense, and he's playing outside linebacker and looked, honestly, really, really good. Um, and it's where a lot of coaches, I think, around the country are wishing they would have gotten him uh, in the recruiting process. But corner's been an issue. They have some depth. They're bringing in Jahari Rogers this summer, uh, who's a former four-star, and they have Brandon Crosley, another four-star, and then veterans like Armani Johnson uh, back in the fold, and they're high on Brian Massey, who's a young corner uh, out of Katy uh, in the 2020 class, and safety has some depth. So I think all that said, they've got a lot of pieces back. They've got to find out how they fit. Jim Levitt, one thing he demands is a lot of effort. I mean, he – he got after him, and Kevin Kane was no no stranger to yelling and screaming and, and bringing the energy, but Jim Levitt was a whole nother animal uh, this spring. I think if the players do buy in like I think they're going to, um, they've got a chance to be really improved defensively. And then there's the offense, which is you know hasn't been a problem, uh, although they face a, a, an interesting challenge this year. The way that I see this this offense right now is running back, check. Things look really good there. Offensive line, check. Things look really good there. Receiver, are you kidding me? Check. Fantastic. Uh, what do you got there? And then there's quarterback. And there's upside. And there's, uh, you know, talent there. But not necessarily a known commodity. Do 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 I have the right read on the SMU offense that, that they are a guy stepping away, guy stepping into the quarterback role away and, and performing well away from being a truly elite unit in America? I think you're right on the quarterback part of it because they, they've got, you know, Mordecai, Oklahoma transfer, who looked, you know, decent over there in that system uh, coming in at certain points. They've got Preston Stone, who's got to uh, make the adjustment to college football and was a four-star recruit and top 100 type player. And then Derek Green, the the veteran of the group, so to speak, he hasn't really played much at SMU, but he's been around and been in the system. And he looked, honestly, dramatically better this spring. I mean, he really um, made, a, made a statement, I would say. I don't know if he'll start, but uh, certainly made a statement in this three-headed quarterback battle. But I'll, I'll say this. The running back room is interesting. You had Ulysses Bentley, who was a freshman All-American, had some really big games, but then he had his moments where he just – kind of disappeared you know hit a little bit of a wall i think and that's kind of natural in a young running back um but he missed tj mcdaniel who really set him up well early in the season went down with a season ending leg injury um when tj would come in and kind of pound the defense early ulysses would bring the speed 
and they would kind of be off and running and that they lost that. Um, and that, you know, at the same, that same game, TJ McDaniel went down, Reggie Robertson went down. So things really changed against Memphis, um, for, for SMU in their season. And I'll, I'll say that Trey Siggers is, uh, you know, North Texas transfer that they're going to bring in this summer. They feel really good about him. So the running back room has some depth, Tyler Levine's a former walk-on who built like a truck. Um, and then offensive line, I think, is is too deep and they're competitive and there's there's guys that have started i looked i was doing a preview actually on this today and hayden howerton and alana lee have started i believe about 40 games for smu mm-hmm. uh, over their over the last five years and they're two players that could very well be either moved to another position on the offensive line or just lose their starting job there's young linemen like uh, marcus bryant branson hickman um, some of these other guys that are coming up pushing and pushing. So that, that goes back to the depth. So th- this, this offense, it needs to be more physical. It needs to be more uh, relied upon when, when, you know, it's third one, you got to get a yard. They've got to be able to do that. Uh, the quarterback play will certainly help in that regard. And they've got some wild cards like Grant Calcaterra, the former Oklahoma tight end who transferred in after sitting out a year of football um, that if he pans out, he he'll be really good. So this offense has a lot of pieces. Again, it's just, Will it all come together like it has the last two years? He's Billy Embody. He is of PonyStampede.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Billy Embody. Billy, appreciate your time, my friend, and appreciate the insights. Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. There he goes. Billy Embody of uh, PonyStampede.com. Uh, you can check out his fine work there, uh, part of the 24-7 Sports uh, Network, and uh, obviously pretty bullish on SMU as we are. Um, yep. You know, defense got to take a step forward, got to find a quarterback, uh, but... The pieces are there for a run, and and you know I do think I do think the athletic, uh, the the AAC, uh, the athletic, the uh, <laughs> the American Athletic Conference, the American. There we go. I think the American is going to be probably better in 2021 as I think, a whole. I would agree. As a whole, I think they're going to. I think that the, the 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 tide is going to be rising there, but I think SMU is part of that, and I think that the mm-hmm. quality of play there in, in the American is is increasing, and SMU is kind of increasing with it. Is this the breakthrough year? I. I you know, again, there's so much potential in in mm-hmm. that quarterback room, right? Yeah. Uh, with Tanner Mordecai, of course, the Hewitt Midway product, and then Preston Stone, the the, the blue chipper uh, freshman out of Parish Episcopal. Um, can one of those guys take over the big shoes that were that were filled by by Shane Bouchelle? Yeah. Um, and and step in and, and make this program uh, keep keep it on the upward trajectory. Be very interesting to watch. I think SMU is one of the most interesting teams heading into 2021. We appreciate Billy and Buddy of PonyStampede.com for being our guest. Let's go over to Ashley Pickle to the jar for America's Yo. second favorite segment. Final thoughts. Um, just wanted to. So there's no games tonight on Texan Live, but I uh. wanted to remind all the people that have asked for. The whole time I've been here about baseball coverage stuff that we are getting into the weeds of uh, baseball playoff season. Mm. So regional quarterfinal games for softball and baseball happening Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday um, all this week. We're getting real close to state. So those are some really, really good games that you can watch on uh, TexanLive.com. So definitely check those out. Baseball playoffs on TexanLive.com. It's going to be a lot of fun. There. Yeah. OK, cool. We're getting into the, the way depths. Really good games. Do you got so. anything for me else? Do you, for you, know, you? Yeah, for me. You know. No. Just, you good? Yeah. It's going to do for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Billy Embody of PonyStampede.com for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please get your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.